Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to Hollywood and Lamine. I'm Ken Levine, your podcast host. This is part two of my two-part interview with Johnny Holiday. He's had quite an interesting career, a top 40 disc jockey in the early wild days of top 40, and then he went on to become a play-by-play announcer, and he has been the voice of the University of Maryland for over 40 years. Here's a sample. Radio KY. Francisco. Tommy Saunders at 23 minutes at 6 o'clock for Tony Big, who's a little ill this evening. This is number 5 for the Turtles Happy Together. Imagine me and you. Back to our top 30 of 1967 at 17 minutes under 6 o'clock. Christmas cash card time. Number 4, Aretha Franklin says, what you want, man? What you want, baby, I got Third down and 4. Davis in motion. Stayed him to throw out of the backfield. He's got Josh Allen. Got a first down. At the 35, at the 40, at the 45, in midfield. 45, 40, race to the house, cuts it inside. Keeps his balance at the 30, down to the 25, on the 20, cuts it into the 5, and the end zone, touchdown, 72 yards. Oh, my goodness. What a run for Josh Allen. Do you believe that? And they're piling on him in the end zone. If you missed part one, after you listen to this, go back and check that out. This is part two of my interview with Johnny Holiday, right here on Hollywood and Levine. When you're calling a football game, do you watch the TV or the field? The field. Even when I'm calling football games on television, I watch the field. <laughs> Except for play, you know, replays and stuff like that. Uh huh. Yeah, I, I've never been one. Uh, in baseball a lot because of where we were at Nationals Park. If oh, you're above the timber line. Oh, my God. Bob yeah. Carpenter, play-by-play guy, one of the best in the business. So when he would take off, I'd fill in for him. But you're so high, you had to watch the, the monitors, TV mm-hmm. monitors. Mm-hmm. And the depth perception, I could never get that. He could, he to this day, he can't get the depth perception because you're yeah. so high. It's, so it's, high. it's so bizarre Imagine, imagine you're watching a ball game right. and a guy hits a high pop-up and you're looking down at it. Right. Yeah. The high pop-up goes in the left field stands. Right. 
Right. Yeah. It's and what's also tricky after you've called a series there, then you go to another park where you have a better vantage point and it takes you a game just to get back to that. Like Camden Yards. Camden Yards is great. Mm -hmm. That's one of the best broadcasting booths, I think, in all the Major League Baseball. Thank you. And, and and I say that because as they were building Camden Yards, I was one of the people that went out because I was doing the Orioles at that time. That's and, why I and, and I went out and kind of worked with them as to where the booths should be and how large the booths should be and things like that. So at the time, they were just concrete slabs. But yeah. uh, you're you're very welcome. So you were obviously well received uh in in Washington. Uh <laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> wait a minute. I, I I would I would mixed. When I went to Baltimore, uh I would say it, it was mixed. First of all, it's like who's this California guy? And number two, the fact that I had a sense of humor and was joking around there were fans that loved it. And by the way, we lost 95 games that year. So what the hell hell am I going to talk about? I know. Uh, But my partner, John Miller also took some flack from diehard fans who, who didn't like the fact that, that we would fool around, but it's interesting because you go to different markets and there's different reactions. And I left Baltimore and went to Seattle and from Opening night, it was totally different, and I was completely embraced. It's like they got me in Seattle. They never got me in Baltimore. Did you live in Baltimore year-round or just come in for the season? I just came in for the season, and I was offered at the end of the year a three-year contract, but they wanted me to move to Baltimore, which is not an unreasonable request. So I would be there for banquets and part of the community. But at the time I'm making 90% of my income in LA as a TV yeah. writer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You, you got it. Well, how long were you there? Was it two years you were there? No, years? I was just there one year. Yeah. I was just there one year. Huh. Larry King loved me. So that was good. Oh, Larry King loved me too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Larry, Larry King from Miami, Florida. Yeah, that's right. And you're originally from Miami, Florida. Yep. So doing the the Terrapins for 44 years, probably the highlight was 2002. You guys won the national championship in basketball, beating Indiana, no less. Congratulations. Long overdue, Ken. You finally congratulated me. Here it is, 2023. <laughs> well, yeah, it's it's not like I love Indiana, but yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was a uh, a, a great team and. Nobody knows it better than you that if you got the right mix of guys playing and Gary Williams had the right mix of guys, there wasn't one single high school All-American on that roster. They were all guys that Gary liked and Gary knew he could make better. And they all were just a little bit cocky like he was and had that chip on their shoulder. And I'll never forget the run we had just to get to Indiana. We had to beat Kentucky. We had to beat Stanford. We had, I mean, we had to beat Connecticut, all these major teams just to get to that championship game. And 
to see Gary on the sidelines as the final seconds were taken off and Juan Dixon and uh, Chris Wilcox rubbing their hands through his hair, which if you did that in a game other than the national championship game, he'd probably punch you out. Nobody, nobody got that close to Gary. And he loved those kids as as much as any team he ever coached. They were a great bunch of guys. And a couple of years ago, we had a reunion. Everybody came back except one young guy who lost his life, wasn't there with us, uh, Errol Badu. And they came back and got an introduction at, at Xfinity Center during halftime that was I thought was going to take the roof off. And everybody, it was almost like yesterday that these guys were playing. Juan Dixon was the MVP, cover of Sports Illustrated, everything. They always say, too, that, you know, the announcers sound a whole lot better when they're with winning teams. (laughs) No kidding. (laughs) You're delivering good news. Did you take losses hard? You know, I, I did in my early days. I... I want. I don't think I take them as hard now, because I know I couldn't have done anything. I'm just broadcasting the game. I'm just calling the game. I feel bad for the kids. I feel bad for the coaches. But sometimes the other team is better than you are that particular day, and uh, and that's the way it all winds up. But I think in my early days, I, I did get upset when they would lose. I'd come home and and uh, Mary, my wife would say. Why'd you slam the door? Oh, I didn't realize I slammed the door. Yes, you did. Why did you knock the table? Oh, I didn't realize I did that. She says, "Yeah, yeah, you were not very happy when they lost." Yeah, well, see, the antidote to that is to work for shitty teams. (laughs) You know, when your team loses ninety-five games a year, Mm -hmm. you don't take the losses so hard. And when I was with Seattle. Again, Hall of Fame broadcaster Dave Niehaus was just a great, fun-loving guy. At one point, because he was their original announcer back in 1977, and he said, Kenny, we have to go 742-0 for me to be 500. (laughs) 500? Yeah. And and he he said, you know what? He said, they're not sending me down to the minors if I give up five runs. You know, they're oh, yeah. they're not firing me. So we lose yeah. and we go get a nice dinner afterwards. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What well, it reminds me when, when Ray Knight and I were doing the pre and post for the Nationals in those early years, they were losing on a consistent basis. And we had the dance and dance. We called ourselves uh, Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire because we were dancing after every single loss and saying such clever things as, well, you know, there's always a game tomorrow. And these guys are going to give it their best shot. And let's see what happens tomorrow against the world champions. Okay. I mean, every single night we're doing this one night we're on, it's a West coast game and we're getting hammered again. And we've lost like 80, 85, 90 games. It's one o'clock, one thirty in the morning. So we decided to come out of a break. And Ray says, hey, there's nobody watching, you know, this early in the morning. Uh, let's change coats when we come back on camera. I said, okay. So I give Ray my coat. I'm 5'8", 165 pounds. Ray is 6'4", 235 pounds. <laughs> we come back and I got his coat on and the sleeves are hanging down to here. 
okay? And the sleeves on my coat are up to his elbow. And so we did we did the segment straight, like nothing had ever changed. So the show is over, and the engineer in the control room says, you got a phone call here. Oh, okay. Hello. Hi, how you, how you got? You guys are having fun, aren't you? I said, yeah, who is this? This is Chris Glass, your executive producer. <laughs> he says, funny, funny bet. But I probably would temper it a little bit. I wouldn't, I probably wouldn't do that anymore. Okay, no problem at all. So you never know <laughs> who's watching. <laughs> yeah, I know when uh, I was hosting Dodger Talk and we would go on a bad spell. I used to say, we're polishing turds. That's basically <laughs> what you're doing. You're just polishing turds. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, you would think that doing play-by-play and being a disc jockey in the Radio TV Hall of Fame and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and having a national championship and having a World Series ring was enough. But no, you also have a theater <laughs> career. And and I've seen on YouTube some of your performances, like starring as Harold Hill and the Music Man. And what? You're, you're really good. You're not just some, you know, community theater schmuck. You were, you're really very, very seasoned and talented. Talk about that aspect of your various careers. Well, it, it, got, it got started when I was in Cleveland. I went to a cocktail party one night, and at this party was the general manager and the producer of Kane Park Summer Theater. And he would bring in different big names to take leading roles in Summerstock Theater. Uh, Dion came in to do Best Foot, uh, to do uh, Guys and Dolls. Paul Peterson came in, who was on the Donna Reed show at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby Fenton came in to do Music Man. He said, do you ever do any theater? I said, well, I did high school. He said, uh, I'm doing Finian's Rainbow, and you would be perfect for Og the Leprechaun. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I said, I don't know if that's a backhanded compliment or not. But, <laughs> and he said, I'm bringing in Jenny Smith to play Sharon McGlonagan. Jenny was the lead singer on the Steve Allen Westinghouse Tonight Show. Okay. Blonde, beautiful, absolutely gorgeous singer, looker, and actress. So I did that, and I realized, man, this is a whole new world of potential listeners. They go to the theater, read the playbill, and say, oh, he's on the radio. Well, let's tune him in and listen to him between six and 10 or three and seven, whatever. So that's how that started. Then I did Oklahoma the same year we did the Finian's Rainbow. I did, did you nothing. take singing lessons or acting lessons? I did not. No. Hmm. I sang in the chorus when I was in high school. I had some solos. I did take uh, some lessons on how to breathe better when you're doing eight shows a week for three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that taught me a lot. And I did nothing. I did one show in San Francisco, How to Succeed in Business. And the Oakland uh, Hills, there was a theater, Oakland Westminster Theater in the Oakland Hills, outdoor theater. 
And then when I came to Washington, I started doing a lot more and did most of my stuff here in D.C. But I loved it. I loved the challenge, I think, of proving that I could do a role that was difficult. I could remember choreography where basically they would hide me behind a lot of people. And uh, and I could remember uh, lines and uh, songs. And I can right now probably do every word, know every word to every song that I've I've sung in theater. And one of the producers here named Nick Howie estimated that probably three quarters to a million people saw me in Washington theater. And that's a lot of listeners right there. If they if they like what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So I kind of made sure. And some of, I, as we talked earlier, some of the roles I've had, some of the best roles, uh, you, you can't go wrong with a role like Finch and Bobby and Company and Harold Hill and Music Man and and uh, Bye Bye Birdie, the Dick Van Dyke role. All those are those are juicy roles. So you're doing the post game show for the Washington Senators. They've lost five in a row, and you go, yeah. Uh, the team is really struggling, but take heart, fans, because I'll be playing Bobby in company starting Thursday night. You want to get your tickets now. <laughs> You're exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Hey, we're going to see you next time. Don't forget, showtime tonight at the Harlequin Dinner Theater. I'll be on the stage at 830 for the curtain of 42nd Street. Goodbye, uh, Maryland Sports Radio Network. <laughs> yeah. It's like, hey, the Arizona Diamondbacks are in town. You don't want to see the Arizona Diamondbacks, for Christ's sake. Come on out to the Harlequin Theater. And I'm Harold Hill and Music Man. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's right. That's exactly what I did. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You've always felt the need to reinvent yourself. And uh, like I mentioned, I'm a big proponent of that. I think it keeps you young. What kind of motivated you to like always be looking to do different things and not just stay in your lane, not just marginalize yourself as I'm a DJ, I'm yeah. a play-by-play guy, etc. Well, I, I I think the bottom line was when I was when I was younger in high school, I started doing impressions and different voices and stuff like that. And one of my best buddies, Don Lewis, and I had a what we thought was a funny comedy team at the time, which wasn't very funny, but we thought it was. And we would do assemblies and we'd do impersonations of teachers and coaches and and different. I'd do Jimmy Stewart. Where, 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 where's the rabbit? You know, stuff like that. And uh, Cary Grant, uh, Judy, 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 all, you know, the usual impersonations. And then I, I thought when I got into radio as a disc jockey, you know, I said, I, my first show on Broadway was How to Succeed. And I said, I can, I can do that if ever the opportunity comes. And it came. And then it kind of snowballed after that. And I, I don't think I've ever turned down an assignment. People, and maybe you had the same thing, Ken, where somebody would call you and say, hey, you've done tiddlywinks, haven't you? We got the National Tiddlywink Tournament out in Spokane. Can you cover it for us? I said yes to everything. And then later on, I would say, what the hell did I do? I've never done boxing. I've never (laughs) done gymnastics. Now I got to learn how to do it. But I did it. 
I did it. And once you do that, man, the confidence level goes right off the meter. And it's not a it's not a cocky thing. It's just the fact that even today at age 85, I'm 85 years old, I can still do anything that I did 20 years ago and just as good. Now, people may disagree with that, but I think I can anyhow. And there was there was nothing that was no challenge to me that uh, I ever hit a roadblock and said, I can't do this. I'm not I'm not capable of doing it. And I tell I tell young people who want to get in this business that you and I are in, that if you have any reservations about you doing this or doing that, you're going to fail. You've got to figure out that you're the best at what you do. And my boss in Cleveland, Jack Thayer was his name. God rest his soul. And he asked me one day, when you're on the air, and he was a former disc jockey in Minneapolis. <clears throat> when you're on the air, what do you think of? And I said, uh, I don't know. I was 21 years old at WHK. He said, I want you to think when you're on the air, every single radio in Cleveland is listening to Johnny Holiday. There are no other stations around. You have got everybody listening. And that was my mindset. Hmm. Boom. Yeah. Hmm. And I tell kids, if you really think you can do it, you can. I said, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I, I stumbled into broadcasting, basically. I wanted to be a coach. I wanted to be a teacher. Parents had not, didn't have enough money to send me to college. So I never went that way. All three of my girls have got their degrees. One's a doctor and the other two are nurses. Uh, but only thing I have is experience. And the more you do it, the better you get. And I think a bottom line was also be nice to people. Be nice to people you work with. Don't be a pain in the ass. Be able to get along with people. Be able to integrate yourself with people where they want to be around you. And I think if whatever whatever success I've had, be it small or be it big, I think is a credit that people feel like they know me, uh, they can approach me. I'm not one of these big so-called stars. Never thought that. Uh, people say, oh, you're a legend. I said, okay, what is a legend? I am not a legend. I've been around for a long time, but I'm not a legend. Oh no no no! Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Okay. All right. I mean, that's a long that's a long winded answer, but I if any I think you understand what I'm saying. I totally do, and and I would add to that my belief that you make your own momentum. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So when you get an opportunity, you take it. You never know where it's going to lead, and and if it means you got to commute back and forth to New York to be on a national television show for 18 seconds. You do it. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, I think it was like at the Olympics in LA, I did boxing. Okay. So my boss was Shelby Whitfield. who was the ABC director of sports. He said, I'm making out the assignments for LA. You've done boxing, haven't you? Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, I've done boxing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Okay, we're going to put you and uh, Ken Norton together. Ken Norton's going to be your analyst. Whoa, that's pretty good. So here I am ringside at the L.A. 
I guess, sports arena and doing boxing for ABC. <laughs> so I didn't say no. I said, oh, yeah, I've done that before. Yeah, sure. Yeah, well, Al Michaels didn't do much hockey either before I did, I didn't, the Winter really, Olympics. I didn't know that. Yeah. He never did hockey? He, wow. I don't think he ever really did hockey before that. Yeah. Well, I did. I did one hockey game. In Sarajevo at the Olympics, one hockey game, uh-huh. and the general manager of the Minnesota North Stars was my analyst. Can't think of his name offhand. So we did uh, Romania and Czechoslovakia. Oh, or great! Yeah, like on, like nine thousand consonants in every name. One of the other on one of the other ABC radio channels. So I said to him, "Oh, you did it on radio? Oh, yeah, the radio. Yeah. Oh, oh, even yeah. better." So yeah. I said to him, "What about the pronunciations?" He he said to me, "It doesn't matter. This is going back to the United States on ABC Channel Number Nine, as far as listeners are concerned." <laughs> he said, "Unless they have relatives in the states listening, it doesn't matter. We'll just get close to the names." <laughs> End of the wars goes got French Kaczynski. Cross the blue line comes Kavrensky. I mean, I had no idea. I got through it though. I got through. that's the toughest sport in the world to do, hockey. Oh God, yeah. And uh I've got a friend who's the voice of the San Jose Sharks. Um, oh and uh he sits up in the rafters. That's where they put these guys. So they're pretty much in the roof. They're, they're not ringside. They're, they're in the roof. And, and how he sees anything, much less a puck, uh, yeah. it's, it's just beyond me. I think that and soccer and lacrosse have got to be very difficult to do. I have never done soccer. I have never done lacrosse. I have no interest in doing either one of them. Oh no! The Bakersfield lacrosse team has an opening, Johnny. If I I get a call from the soccer people, I'm going to say, "I sorry, I can't do it." But my friend Ken out in L.A. Oh, I've been I've been dying to do soccer. (laughs) I've been dying to do soccer. (laughs) (laughs) The the phone doesn't ring. Yeah, that's true. You know, I just now that I've put it out there. All right. If the Galaxy, the L.A. Galaxy, needs a play-by-play guy, then <laughs> do we still have the Galaxy? <laughs> That's yeah. Uh, I want to be their play-by-play the guy. The guy that did the Capitals, Ron Weber, was a great Capitals announcer, and he got shoved out the door some years ago, which I thought was a big mistake. And he used to always say to me, "When are you going to come to a hockey game? Sit next to me." I said, "I, I have no desire." I have no interest in hockey. He couldn't believe it. He said, oh, it's the most exciting thing. I said, I, I, I've been to a game at the Garden in New York, the old Garden. I did one game at the Olympics. I said, I just have no interest in doing it. He kept bugging me and bugging me. And luckily, I was able to hold him off for like 15 or 16 years. Never went to a game. <laughs> and, and, you know, hockey fans are nuts. I mean, they're really, they're really into it, too. They can't believe you don't like hockey. Oh, no, I know. I know. Even in L.A., which is kind of laid back, you go to a Kings game and 
those people are rowdy. Oh, sure. <laughs> they might as yeah. well be wearing Raider jerseys. Those people yeah. are nuts. <laughs> <laughs> well, Johnny, this has been great. Oh, uh, thank you. Ken. Thanks so much. And uh, I look forward to seeing you. Like I said, uh, let's get dinner when you're out here uh, and UCLA beats you guys uh, in December. <laughs> you pick out the place and I'll be there. You got it. There you go. Johnny Holiday. Our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, to Howard Hoffman, Bruce and Jason Miller. Also, if you want to get in touch with me, well, you can do that easily by email, hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. I am also available on Instagram if you want to see some of my New Yorker cartoons. And next week, everything you wanted to know about The Price is Right and Bob Barker as we have Rich Fields, who is the longtime announcer for The Price is Right. Uh, That is coming up next week. So come on down. We will see you then right here on Hollywood and the Vine.